0: Well, anyway, welcome everybody to biblequest.eir.org is the same thing. We're really glad that you're able to join us today. Um, we uh, want you to ask questions during the show. We'll be talking about a couple of things today, but during during the dialogue, we want to encourage you to continue asking your questions, giving us your comments and uh, we'll bring them to the forefront um let me introduce our panelists again steven you're from gettysburg pennsylvania how are you doing
1: down here in gettysburg doing well true how are you doing
0: i'm doing very good scott also from gettysburg how are you doing scott
1: doing very
2: well
0: jeff from exton jeff how are you doing
2: well, you know, we're all saying we're doing well, and in the scheme of things, we are. But I think, really, all of us are struggling with a cold we're getting over. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well,
0: uh, I'm glad you admitted. Oh, that. Thank
2: you, Scott. Thank you, thank you. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right, right. Okay. Noah is also with us, our webcast engineer. Hi,
1: Noah. Hey, Drew. Okay, and you're not struggling from a cold, I hope. Uh, not currently. Okay. Well, don't I'm get going too close. strong to- and healthy. Yeah, okay. The best nice thing about webcasts is you can't pass the code along to all the viewers. So
0: I was just going to say, no, don't get too close to Jeff, but it doesn't work. <sighs> all right, and I'm Drew from Homesdale, Pennsylvania. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Um, as I mentioned, as I said before, if you're, ju- vo- if you're joining us from the Zoom app, we really want you to participate with us. You can even click the, the uh, hand icon. That'll tell us that you want to come on live and talk with us on the air ask questions or give comments, or just text it in also as well. And, and Stephen, we're broadcasting from your Facebook page there, right?
1: That's right. If you're watching their broadcast today from my Facebook page, please feel free to leave your comments or your questions in the comments below, and we'll get to those as soon as we can.
0: Great. Okay, let's get into this. We've got a couple of good questions today. Actually, all the questions that our audience has been sending in are good, but today's a little more challenging, at least to me it is. It's a two part question that relates to the origin of Satan. Where does he come from? Is he a fallen angel or not? And that was the question the way it was coming in from Chrissy. And then also, the first part of that question is about free will. We have free will, obviously. Do the angels have free will? And the reason I word it that way, because the question says if and when we get to heaven, do we still have free will? And if we do have free will, is it possible for us to sin, to mess up, in other words, like some of the angels did? So these are a little tough questions, guys. Where do you want to go with this one?
2: Well, let's start with reminding ourselves of what our source of information is, Scripture. Exactly. Um, There's terminology that we use that can be helpful But sometimes if we start with the terminology, we we lose a little focus. For instance, does the Bible mention free will? That that term, that that, that phrase.
1: That's a good question. Not outside of a maybe a free will offering, but not in the sense of, well, man's free will, you know, was given by God when we talk about just our ability to make our own decisions.
2: Yeah. Uh, now, does the Bible make it clear in a number of passages that we are capable of making decisions and accountable for decisions that we make? What would be some examples?
1: I like the example of Cain in Genesis 4, where the Lord comes to him and says, I mean, straight up gives him the choice. If you do yeah. well, will not your countenance be lifted up? But if you do not do well, sin's crouching at the door. Its desirous for you, but you must rule over it.
2: Yeah. And which is it hoped that he would do? To do well, but did he choose to do? Uh, Joshua, at the end of Joshua, great statement about choice. He says what? In Joshua 24, 15.
0: Yeah, for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. You can choose
2: which way you want. I'll paraphrase, but you can choose. Right. So we see see that idea. I just want to put that reminder in there, because sometimes when we start with a phrase, that becomes the definition or authority. Let let me give one side example. I don't want to get too far afield, but for instance, sola scriptura, Luther's famous phrase, you know, just the Bible, sola scriptura.
0: Scriptures only.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think there's, where do I want to look for my authority? You know, in, in the scripture. How would Paul have written sola scriptura?
0: No, because...
2: One thing he wrote. Maybe this is
0: where you're going. Maybe wasn't <laughs> at the moment because his scriptures weren't written yet. He was just preaching.
2: Right, right. And so, you know, Acts 2 was delivered orally before it was ever written down. Paul will talk about keep the traditions, whether you heard them from our mouth or in writing and stuff. So there, there's, there may be some merit in a phrase, but it just helps to remember to start with scripture instead of our, our things. And... Also, to start with scripture instead of our songs, uh, somebody, and we were talking about this quote the other day, Stephen, um, that if you can control the hymns people sing, that has more effect on people's mindset over a century or two than a particular theologian or two. So oftentimes, you know, part of the question here. You know, well, we sung the song where the gates swing. Outward never. Yeah, outward never. Uh, but we want to begin with scripture. So beginning with scripture, um what do we let, let let's take a look at, at the angels. Do a well, what evidence we have to suggest that angels had or have free will? Well, Jude comes to mind. It's a passage that talks about those angels who have sinned or been disobedient. It's Jude verse six, angels that kept not their own principality, but left their proper habitation. He hath kept in everlasting bonds under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So that sounds like beings that had a choice to walk in their proper habitation or uh, their Designated realm or not, and they chose to disobey.
1: Yeah, and the parallel passage in Second Peter chapter two and verse four: For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment.
2: And so, there, there's accountability there. Um, so now, to the question. After, after the day of resurrection, would it, what, what, what's going to happen? What, uh, would a person choose to rebel against God? Uh, would a person have the inability to rebel against God? Um, I don't know that we have any scripture that directly talks about that in that sense of what we will do. But based on the information that we have about the angels, what might be some thoughts or observations we could make?
0: Well, they had a choice, and that's the actually they can make choices and decisions, right? Yeah, so if they had a choice, and we're going to be like the angels, I don't know where that's quoted, but
2: Matthew 22.
0: All right, we're going to be like the angels, in,
2: in in answer to the Sadducees' resurrection question.
0: Right, and if we're going oh, to like the angels, then will we still will we still don't we still have a choice?
2: Of course, Matthew twenty two doesn't necessarily mean like the angels in every single respect. I think mm-hmm. there he's talking about like the angels in terms of not marrying. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay,
0: but couldn't it also include that? But we just don't know if it does, right?
2: Yeah, and and it's helpful to understand. Here is what pe- scripture speaks on, and so we can speak where the scripture speaks. And where it doesn't speak, uh, you know, we we, we should we, we might have a thought, we might have an idea, we might draw an <coughs> be careful about not uh, coming up with the system we've imagined in our mind and being emphatic about it. Stephen.
1: Uh, revelation 14 is one passage that comes to mind just because it speaks about those who die in the Lord. Yes. And it says revelation 14 beginning in verse 13. That's revelation fourteen thirteen. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed says the spirit that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Yes. And we don't have a lot of detail from that verse, but heaven uh, is, and it really doesn't even say heaven in this verse. It just says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, right. that after they die, they are in a state of rest from their labors. Right. right. And to me, that would indicate, I mean, one of the most laborious things about being in this world is resisting temptation. Mm-hmm. and uh, it would seem to me that if we're going to be in a state of rest after we die, and then in a state we're in after the resurrection, that that would be a state of rest in which we're not having to constantly battle our fleshly desires and,
2: um, and those kinds of things. He has been won, Satan has been cast into the lake of fire, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, here, here's a thought, and I'll throw it out there for what it's worth. The Bible's clear that the record of man is consistent. Romans 3.23. How many have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God?
0: Everyone.
2: All. Yet when we look at the angels in the presence of God, we seem to see a picture that some chose to sin and some chose to be loyal. Interesting. So... I am inclined to see that in this presence of God there among the angels, some chose to be loyal, some choose to sin, and mercy is not offered there. In fact, Hebrews says, not to angels does he give help, but to the sons of men. We are, ever since uh, the, the fruit was eaten, In what Paul calls this present evil world, Galatians 1 4. So we're starting off in a place where what is going to happen as we grow and make choices? Sin. Yes. And God, in His mercy, I tend to see this as a training, a testing round. God, in His mercy, knows that we're going to sin, has offered mercy to us and expects us to choose choose you this day whom you will serve choose now if a person has chosen in this present evil world and surrounded by the power of satan to serve the lord then what should be that person's condition when they get to be to some degree another as the angels with god forever
1: they're still choosing to serve the lord
2: yeah those I'm not worried about those angels up there well what's Gabriel doing today you know, Gabriel <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, um uh on the other hand, for angels to have in the face of God chosen uh, uh to do evil um they had a choice and are rejected so those are just some thoughts.
0: Yep. Those are good thoughts there. You, you brought some things to mind that I haven't thought about before. Is it, it's if Satan's, Since Satan's going to be locked up eternally at that point.
2: Well, not just locked up. He's locked up before the thousand years, then released. After a thousand years in judgment, he's actually thrown into the lake of fire, which, which fits with our passage in Matthew 25, 41. Jesus says to the goats on the right, depart from me, you wicked, into the fire prepared for... The devil and his angels. Yeah.
0: So the point I wanted to st- get to was, though, on that, before you go there, Stephen, therefore, Satan will not be there. Right. And temptation Definitely. sounds like it will not be there, even though we can still make choices, right?
2: I would I would think so. I mean, I don't have a verse that says, yeah. Yeah. once we get there, we can make choices. But the angels seem to have had the ability to make choices. Stephen.
1: Let's just read that text from Revelation 20 real quick. This may be helpful. And, of course, just reading the text is always helpful. Yes. Uh, Revelation 20, and starting in verse 7. Of course, there's a lot of context to this, but we'll pick up reading here. Revelation 20, verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their numbers like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So, uh, and then a few verses later, let me. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. A couple of observations from the text here. Uh, If what we're looking at here is dealing with the the end and what things will be like going into eternity. And I'll just acknowledge there is some question in the book of Revelation about some of those things. But if what we're looking at here is at the end, you've got, the dragon, Satan, mm-hmm. thrown into the lake of fire. The beast and the false prophet have already been thrown yeah. into the lake of fire. Those are two of Satan's instruments for temptation in the book, to deceive people, to pressure them into submitting to him, into giving up on God. All of that thrown.
2: And in particular, it had been a world empire persecuted with the power to persecute and try to destroy the church as it was taking place in the Roman Empire, right, go ahead. Right,
1: and then to see what's happening at judgment is, is people are being judged before the throne according to what they had done. Mm-hmm. And it, there seems to be, maybe we can make the implication, it's they're not being judged according to what they're going to do so much as, as to what they have done. Mm-hmm. And that judgment seems to be a final judgment in this picture, that it's not that, okay, you've been judged, but you gotta, now you gotta watch out, you know, like, it seems like there's an, it's a victory. right. It's a victory. Uh, the, the, the enemy and his devices have been removed and there is a judgment according to what you've done. And then there is either a state of rejoicing and victory or a
2: state of death and torment. Here's another thought. You remember in the garden when Jesus comes back and he finds Peter and James and John sleeping, what did he say? Watch the earth is willing. but the spirit flesh is weak flesh is weak, and the resurrection body will be a glorified, immortal spiritual body, which First Corinthians 15 says will not be flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's another distinction there. Uh, let's also observe this: that uh, like when Stephen took us to the text there that's important looking at the text and we can muse we can think we can ponder but we ought it's good to do so humbly and with clearness that we may be musing or speculating because think of it in this way during the old covenant with the scriptures in front of them like isaiah daniel etc how well did people perceive what the Messianic age would be like. Not not so great. Did they take some things too literally? Yes, they did. Yes. Did they miss a lot of things? Yes, they did. Were there things that they never would have dreamed? Oh, that's how that's going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't have to know everything about everything, but in trust and faith, you know Simeon, you know the, the the old man that had been told he would see the Lord's Christ before he died, and he got to see him, and then he died. Peter talks about the prophets who wanted to know what time or manner of time these prophecies are pointing to. They didn't get to see them. What well, what well, we do? Well, looking to the next phase, you know, it, it should help us understand that before reaching you know, uh, uh, ironclad idea of it will be exactly this and and everything else, that some of that is kind of like Paul talks about the resurrected body, uh, you know, to paraphrase, wait and see. Hey. I,
0: like, I like when you kept going back to, to use a couple times, the rest, we're resting, we'll have yeah. a rest from these things. While we're here, our unrest I guess the most dangerous part of the unrest is the the temptations and the struggles that trials and other things throw upon us. And that that that's all going to be gone. Hey,
2: do we, do we as panelists get to ask questions? Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay, I've got one. This, this will take us a little off topic from the, the viewer's question, but we're looking at this passage in Revelation 20 and verses 11 through 15 in particular. Right. And uh, verse 12, I saw the dead. And so here's my question that I want to throw out. Now I'll elaborate a little bit and then let you guys hack away at it. Um, Should we take the dead there to mean dead without respect, to whether we're talking about righteous or unrighteous, or are we talking specifically and uniquely about the unrighteous? So listen. I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged, or you could understand that condemned, out of the things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and they were judged, or you could understand condemned, every man according to their works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Back in verse six, it had said of those who had part in the first resurrection, the second death hath no power in them over them. So again, my question: verses eleven through fifteen, are we talking uniquely about the unrighteous dead? I don't think so. If you can convince me otherwise, um, but for instance, look at First Peter chapter. I think it's everybody. Uh, the phrase that we're going to be judged by our works applies to believers as well. First Peter one verse seventeen. And if you call on him as father, who without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning and fear. Second Corinthians five ten also will be judged according to things done in the body, whether good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 12. Even, even so, though, even even to, even allowing that that kind of language can be used of the righteous, when we look at 11 through 20, this idea that we're talking about people who are uh, judged in a context where it's talking about the lake of fire, wonder if that suggests the judgment is condemnation specifically, and the idea that this is the second death, uh, which the righteous, they the second death has no power over them.
1: Uh, what do you
2: go ahead? What do you, what do you make of verse
1: fifteen? Then uh, at the very end of that, uh, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. If we're dealing with a crowd that is exclusively the condemned, why say well? And if anyone's name was not, which is none of them, uh, you know, well, it seems maybe we have a crowd here of mixed. Uh, yes we're being judged who are righteous and those who are being judged who are wicked and it's though only those who are not written in the book of life that are also thrown into the lake of fire
2: and watch for this word "judged," because i think if we read 11 through 15 with interpreting judged as condemned then it would be easy to say yes this is only talk about the condemned But the word judge doesn't just mean the condemned. So we saw, like like over here in Romans 2, um, verse 5, at the end of verse 5, it talks about the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his works, to them that by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and incorruption, eternal life but unto them that are faxes and obey not the truth, but obey unrighteousness shall be wrath and indignation, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that works evil of the Jew first and also to the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to every man that works good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Granted, the word judged can be used in context where it's talking about uh, making a distinction and uh, without prejudice, And in other cases, it's used where it's talking about condemnation. Context is going to determine that. Yeah. And in Revelation, right after saying that the wicked, if your name is not found in the book of life, you're cast into the lake of fire. And, of course, in, in the original manuscript, there's no chapter division. It goes straight to the reward of the righteous in 21 and then backs up and again and contrasts it with the verse 8 with the fate of the wicked so i would say it's both it's all the dead
0: guys let me let me uh, interject here because we are getting a little off and you already warned us that we were going a little off topic and that's okay but I don't want to go too far off it is generating other questions about that text let's see if we can get to those other questions okay. about the text after we finish Chrissy's main questions if that's all right with everybody. okay
2: And she also had a question, didn't she, about the origin of Satan?
0: Yeah, well, so yeah, so we got the first question answered as best we could. Um, We'd be making decisions, but it doesn't—and it'll always be our choice to make a decision. But it doesn't look like we can mess up, and that was the word she was using—that we won't mess up. Just like you said, Scott, there are the majority of angels didn't mess up; they did not sin against God, and it was some that chose to do so. Now that let me. Go ahead. Well, that leads us to the next part about it, uh, wondering if angels have free will, and I think we established it, they can make decisions. Now, whether we want to use the term free will in that context, because Scripture doesn't use it that way, but we... Empower.
2: I believe they do. I believe they do. My point about the Word is that it's its just real easy with us to make a conclusion from Scripture and then start making conclusions from the conclusion. And right. it's helpful to go back to scripture. So I think we do have free will. Okay. But instead of starting with the words free will, just start with scripture. Okay, great. John McCain is witness in many, many ways of free will.
0: And so now the question then evolves into uh, thinking that uh, was the devil an angel? And did he mess up? Uh, did he have, well, obviously he had free will, I mean, he made uh, decisions. But if the devil who was an angel, okay, we already answered that part. I'm sorry. So the, uh, th- was the, who, where did the
1: devil come from? Where's the origin of Satan? Stephen. Before we touch on that, we had uh, a viewer, Daniel, comment on this question about us sinning in the next life. He says, completely surrounded by God's glory, love, and light, it seems that we would have no reason to choose to transgress and sin. Just like no sane person would ever choose to eat sewage when surrounded by desserts. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> okay. I haven't heard it put quite them.
1: that way before, but, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I do think that's a fair point.
2: Whereas pure that. fly. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, all
0: right. All right. So now, now to the question. So where did Satan come from? And he started the thing about rebelling. What?
2: All right, and so we've talked in the past, and if someone wants to ask a question about it again, we can look at it again. It's common to go to Isaiah and uh, say that it's it's Lucifer, um, and th- that is Satan. But you go back to that context, and that context is talking about the king of Babylon. But where does uh, Satan come from? There's a passage in Colossians 1 that uh, doesn't, mentioned the word Satan or the devil, but I'll read it. And then, uh, I'll ask you guys to comment on implications from that. It's in Colossians chapter one, and it's talking about Jesus Christ in verse 16. Speaking of Christ, it says this is Colossians 1 16. In him were all things created in the heavens and upon the earth, things visible And things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things have been created through him and unto him. So that would seem to include, uh, when it talks about the powers or dominions or principalities or whatever, including those in the spiritual realms, that would seem to include a being such as Satan. And uh, there's an implication here. If Satan is created by the Lord, by deity, by God, um, which he must have been, because if he weren't, he'd be self-existing. And if he's self-existing, he would be God. He would be another deity. Um, And if he was created by God, then he must not have been evil in his creation. Um, All things from God, James chapter one and verse 17, uh, everything from God is good. Um, So, Uh, that there is an implication there, even if the Bible doesn't describe it, there seems to be an inference that Satan must have, at some point, uh, rebelled against God. And if somebody's not remembering the phrase, in our audience, not remembering the phrase when you mentioned about the principalities and powers and such, remember this from Ephesians 6. Our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, (laughs) but against the principalities, against the powers against world rulers of this darkness. And then it goes on talking about uh, the the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the evil one. Mm -hmm. So Satan falls within. Yeah. 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 So it doesn't tell us specifically where
1: Satan himself came from or if he was formerly any type of heavenly being. But we do know that all of the created heavenly beings were created by God. And the logical implication is Satan was created good by God and chose to rebel at some point against God. And so at some point before Genesis 3, when he comes and is tempting Eve in the garden. And when,
0: uh, when that, uh, the ver- in chapter 6 of Genesis, when it said, uh, I'm sorry, chapter uh, 1 of Genesis, it says, and all things were very good after he completed the creation, he completed the,
2: creation. At the earth specifically. He's looking; he's created the heavens and the earth, and and air, and, and the plants and the animals and the stars and the moon and everything else. He, looked, he made it; was very good.
0: Yeah, and and then he ceased from creation. That means a he stopped. Word is rested, but it doesn't mean like he wanted to rest because he was tired. It was he ceased, stopped, no more creation wouldn't that then therefore imply that the angels were not created after that statement?
1: Um, I'm not positive about that in Job 38. And again, we are into poetry here, so we have to be careful. Um, But we're in Job 38 and verse 7. When the Lord is first answering Job out of the whirlwind and asking him where were you? Verse four, when I laid the foundation of the earth, tell me if you have understanding, who determined its measurement? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it, on what were its bases sunk, or who lit its cornerstone? In verse seven, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Uh, there's a thought here that this may be angels, these sons of God that are being described here, which this would potentially put the angels created at some point before the or these they they were already there when the Lord was laying the foundation of the earth well, and he creating everything so
0: that's the point I was making. I thought you were going here to say that it was possible that they were created after he ceased, but this is this is actually uh um, implying what I was thinking, that everything was created prior to that day he ceased. Does it seem that way to me? So angels were created first, or before, before. Um, and if Satan is a spiritual being, which we know he is, and he's of the rulers and authorities in heaven and those things at one point, then when someone says, well, when was Satan created? In the beginning.
2: Also, let's do this for a but minute.
0: Not, but hold on, let me clarify that not as an evil person or an evil uh, uh, entity, not as an evil spirit.
2: And the fact that he's being judged in Matthew 25 and in Revelation 20, casting the fire, fire prepared for the devil and his angels that chose to sin, you, you would infer uh, that he's chosen that. Let's do this for a minute. Let's do kind of a timeline and track where we see Satan. Um, so our first sighting of Satan is where? Genesis, uh, three. Yeah. Yeah. In the text, does it say that he's Satan? No. No. Well, later texts do we have that identify him as Satan? John 8, Revelation 12. Yeah. And, uh, also Romans.
0: First, first tell us what he says he is in Genesis three.
2: He is
1: the serpent. Now, Genesis 3, 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made.
2: Okay. And then um, in Revelation 12, when it talks about the the great red dragon, it says, this is the devil, Satan, the old serpent. Also in Romans 16, Paul says, the God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. And of course, that goes back to one of the curses against the serpent: "You'll be trodden under underfoot, and such." All right, so there we see him on the in the garden tempting Eve. Where do we see him in the Book of Job? Among the sons of God. Yeah, would yeah. apparently be the angels. And kind of somebody sum up that for us.
1: There's a day that they come to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan is there among them, and he is accusing Job, which is what we often see him doing. We see that in Zechariah chapter 3 as well, accusing Jeshua. Here in the book of Job, he's among, perhaps, the angels, just those who are described as the sons of God. And he's there accusing Job, saying, does Job serve God for nothing? God, if you take away the things that you've given him, he'll curse you to your face.
2: And the word Satan means adversary. And keeping with this idea of the accuser, that brings us to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12, 1, a great sign is seen where? In heaven. A woman arrayed with the sun, moon under her feet, upon her head, crowned 12 stars. This is Revelation 12. She's with child. She cries out. She's travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. There was seen another sign in heaven. What is it? It's a great red dragon. dragon. Dragon, And this is one of those places in the book of Revelation where we don't have to do a lot of guessing because we can jump down to verse nine and it says the great dragon was the old serpent, the devil and Satan. So sometimes in Revelation, I'm not sure what that is this time we're told. So there's our dragon. There's our devil. And he's trying to destroy this woman, uh, the the child that's about to be born from this woman. But does he succeed? No. Instead, the child ascends to the uh, throne of God and rules with a rod of iron, Psalm 2. So the the child is obviously who? Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Now, upon... So he tried to destroy Jesus. (coughs) tried to his birth, tried in temptation, tried uh, at crucifixion. Jesus is victorious, ascends so to the right hand of God. And somebody read verse 7 and 8, please, or Revelation 12. Stephen, you probably got it in a modern translation. I've got an American Standard in front of me, so if you've got any more modern speech translation, go ahead. What's
1: the, verse,
0: what's the chapter and verse again?
2: Revelation 7, 12, and
1: 7 and 8. Revelation 12, 7 and 8. This is the English Standard Version. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven.
2: So now he's not going to get to be in heaven, and, he is, and there's rejoicing in heaven. And so in verse 10, a great voice in heaven said, Now it's come to salvation, the power of the kingdom. Or who's cast down? How is he described?
1: The accuser. The, the great accuser dragon. Brethren, that ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world.
2: He is cast down to the earth. And then verse 10 now has come salvation, power, the kingdom, the authority, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. And so it's verse 12. Rejoice, O heavens, but woe to the earth. Earth. So now he's down here at the earth. And then he raises up the sea beast and the earth beast, and he's attacking the church with the Roman empire. And then in revelation 19, what is done with the sea beast and the earth beast or false prophet. They are cast into the
1: lake of fire,
2: lake of fire. What's done with the dragon bound for a thousand years. Why isn't he cast into the lake of fire? Doesn't tell us but notice that he's not. So you got three bad guys. Here's the dragon and these two bad guys that he's using. When they're defeated, they're thrown into the fire, but he's not yet. Instead, he's put in abyss and chained for the thousand years, long period of time. At the end of thousand years, he's going to be what?
0: Released for a short Mm -hmm. period.
2: And then we have, at the end, he will be what? Thrown into the lake of fire with where, who's already been there for a thousand years? The beast. Yeah, these these two beasts. So a couple of of questions here. Sometimes when people look at Revelation and they see, oh, the time period where the devil's bound, they envision that it's a time where there's no temptation. He's not dangerous. He's not powerful. He can't be effective at all. Has sin and temptation only existed if in Revelation we see he's in heaven, then after the ascension on earth, then with the fall of the Roman Empire chained in the abyss, and then at the end thrown in the lake of fire? Was there sin and temptation in the world before Jesus' ascension? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. After Jesus' ascension? Yeah. Yeah. After the fall of the Roman Empire? Yeah, so it's not like the chaining. I would compare it maybe a little bit. This is not perfect, but a little bit. If you've got a dog and your your neighbor has a pit bull, it's just like he's got rabies or whatever. Oh. <laughs> well, guess what? He can't get you unless you're stupid enough.
0: To get closer to enough. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, in, in his chaining, there's an allusion to his loss of power. Hebrews 2 talks about the power of death, which the devil had. And Jesus yes. came and partook of death. He could overcome it, be raised from the dead, <coughs> thus giving us power over death. In Revelation chapter 20, it talks about the second death, which has no power now over those who are Christ's. So Satan's power has been limited. In that sense, yeah. there's a binding of Satan. It's not that he has no influence in the world. He has great influence in the world. But his power over those who are God's people has been taken away. And like in Job, he didn't have some of the ability to do some things he did, except that it was allowed. Mm -hmm. His power is diminished, and there's defeats here. There's victories in Christ. Before the crucifixion, I mean, he's got physical and spiritual death working his way. (coughs) And then he loses them both. Jesus is a victory uh, for both of them. Uh, and one other verse on this. You remember Jesus made this comment one time in the Gospels. I beheld Satan falling as lightning from heaven. It's yeah. an anticipatory thing of Satan's coming fall. And that, if I can, maybe this is where you're going, but you're coughing anyway, so let me interject this. Uh, <laughs> people, people talk about Satan's fall, and they automatically start thinking about something that happened before the Garden of Eden when the devil went bad. When the Bible speaks of Satan's fall, it's talking about this loss of power that Satan has. In Revelation 12, where you just were, when he is cast down to the earth in connection with Jesus being caught up and and ascending to the right hand of God. Uh, There's one passage that we didn't mention talking about kind of going through a timeline of the Bible where we see Satan. We see him in the garden. We see him among the sons of God in Job 1. In Zechariah chapter 3, In verse 1, Joshua is pictured as standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. There is this interesting phenomenon that... Now, now let me just say this real quickly. I'm not saying that before his fall that the Bible talks about, Satan was a good guy. Satan was evil. Uh, But the fall that the Bible talks about is the, the loss of power that Satan suffers with the victory of Jesus. And before that, we do see Satan pictured as having access to God in Job 1. He comes before God with the sons of God, with the angels, in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Then there is this loss of power. He's cast down to the earth. Uh, there's a binding of Satan. So the, the thing that I'm trying to highlight here is that when the Bible speaks of Satan's fall, it's not talking about when he became evil. It's talking about his demise, his loss of power. In connection with Jesus' ascension. okay, we, Resurrection do, and ascension.
0: We do have a few minutes left. I don't mind going over a few minutes to close this up, but I just wanted to let everyone know that we have a few minutes left. And uh, I do want to make a plug before I turn it back to you, Stephen, because you want to that. Th- we've been talking a lot about the book of Revelation, and there is an online course that's going to be starting over the next several weeks. We haven't selected the date yet. Uh, Joe Works, if you're familiar with the Wednesday uh, Bible Quest show, he's on Wednesday. Joe Works is going to be leading that class. So I'm going to recommend people consider that. There's going to be a link uh, within the next few days on the BibleQuest.org site to click and register for that online revelation study. It's about a 12, 13-week course. Okay, Steve, now you were going to say something.
1: Yeah, uh, as we're wrapping up the show for today, I just wanted to commend the lady who asked this question, Christine. Um, in her question, she said a couple things that I think are worth noting as we wrap up today. Um, she had some questions about where the devil had come from. And she said in the midst of her question, it was kind of a lengthy question. She said, I guess my mistake was I just, I I just believed what I heard instead of finding the answer in the Bible. And at the end of her questions, he said, I hope my questions are not too stupid. And I don't want to waste a lot of your time on this. And first of all, These are not stupid questions. These are good questions and questions that I've run across a good bit. A lot of people wonder about these things. But here's what she said at the end. She said, I just need some sound resources that will point me in the right direction so I know where to look in the Bible for the answers.
0: Amen to that. I just
1: really appreciate the spirit of that question. And I hope that we have pointed to some helpful places to look in the Bible today to think about the answer to these questions.
2: I'd like to finish with the exhortation (coughs) about, and it's this. In Revelation 20, do we see God having the power to throw Satan into the lake of fire? At the time of final judgment? Yes. Before the thousand years before that, was he able to throw the beast and the false prophet into that same lake of fire? Yes. But didn't at that time throw him in? would we presume that God could have kept him out of the Garden of Eden? Yes. Throw throw him into the lake of fire. If God has not done that, does it suggest that God was willing for us to live in a place where we have to make a choice coming back to this idea of free will? Yes, that to me paints a picture that this time here is a time of testing and challenge. And let's step up to it.
1: Very
0: good comments. Very good comments.
1: I just got a a Facebook message asking me if there are ways to view previous programs. And I want to just answer that on the air because, yes, there are. Uh, If you would like to view old programs or backlogged episodes of Bible Quest, please go to BibleQuest.tv, and you can find our old episodes. Uh, We also now have a podcast that Drew has been putting together. You can find us on iTunes uh, and download those podcasts. Uh, And I appreciate, Drew, all the work that you've done with backlogging all these things. You can go back and check if you've missed an episode or just caught the tail end of the episode today. Uh, please look for those at, at those locations.
0: Yeah, we have everyone that we recorded when we started, I think back end of March, something like that. And we now have on the screen, obviously, our contact information. We invite people to contact us either by email or telephone or cell phone or give us, uh, go to BibleQuest.tv and uh, check out the videos, as you said, Stephen. But also there's a form in there if you have other questions you want to ask and communicate with us, go right ahead and do that. And as I said a few minutes ago, we're going to have a new button up there for courses that we'll be offering, uh, online courses, be free, study courses, and just go there. In a couple days, we should see that button up there, and you can start signing up for any courses you want as they get scheduled. Guys, I want to thank all of you. Very good input today. Appreciate your work and your efforts, and uh, God bless all of you. And thank you, everyone in the audience, for your attendance, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.